Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We'll be reading verses 1 through 12. And as Pastor Kim has shared, don't forget about some incredible events and things coming up in September. And we are going to do things as safely as we can. And that includes all of our meals. Just want to let you know that. We're going to be doing things in the kind of to-go way, but not to-go, but to-go, and whatever that means. But anyway, um, we just want you to know that we're taking all of those precautions seriously. Um, but we, we, I, I believe God's got something in store. And so whether you're in the house for revival or where you're going to watch us online, just tune in. Be here, tune in, one or the other, and let's see what God is going to do. Um, have four, I would say, four of the best preachers in Methodism um, coming to be with us. I think there's a lot of good preachers in Methodism, but these are definitely four of the best. And, um, and we, we pray about it, and, and I pray about it, and, and I believe each of them are going to bring a word for each night. And that, that fourth night on that Wednesday night will be it will be dedicated to healing and wholeness. And so we are especially looking for God to do mighty things in the way of healing that night. We believe in healing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus did more healing in his ministry than he did anything else. I mean, really, he went around. He, he, I told people before, he did drive-by healings. You know what I'm saying? Just went by. Be healed. Be healed. Woman touched the hem of his garment. She was healed. But uh, we talking about healing. Amen. But John chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. And, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher... This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? And this they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stopped down, stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the inspiration of it.
And now, Lord, may it speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way that we will be challenged, that we will be changed, and that we will never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have started a new series this weekend, and this series is called Silent Killers. Now, you may have heard those words, silent killers, before, and mostly we hear those words when it comes to some type of physical silent killer. We hear things uh, that are this physical silent killers like heart disease and hypertension, which is high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, or chronic inflammation uh, of certain organs can definitely also be silent killers. Uh, but I wanted to kind of spend some time these next several weeks looking at some of the spiritual silent killers. Some of those silent killers that, that are out there and in our spiritual lives that seem to somehow keep us from living our lives fully, from keeping us from living the life that Jesus has for us to live. You remember Jesus said that the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundant. And I think too many times we have tried to live our lives in such a way that we have... Uh, forgotten the abundant life that Jesus has promised that we could have. And so we have allowed these silent killers that we're going to talk about to keep us from living that life. And the first one that we're going to talk about is the one we're talking about today, and it is shame. It is the subject of shame. Shame uh, is definitely something that keeps many people from living their life to the fullness. It keeps us from doing that. It keeps us from creativity. It keeps us from innovation. It keeps us from, from being all that God wants us to be because we are ashamed or we are afraid that something that is called shame in our life is going to keep us from, uh, keep us from being good enough or doing well enough or any of those things that we may find ourselves with. Now, shame comes from many sources. It can be something that is kind of dwelt up in us that 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 sort of pulls on us from a, a, a young age it, it can be sometimes because of something that somebody said to us it can be something that somebody did to us it can be something that we did in some of those ways and it may be something from early childhood it may be something from ju junior high it may be something uh, that we did 20 days ago and or whenever we were in our 30s or 40s and all different sources of shame are always there and even sometimes when we think we have dealt with that shame it can be like those um, like the windows on your phone um, that you don't go through I'm really bad about not going through and closing out all those windows and you know what they're doing they're pulling your data they're pulling your energy uh, or the energy of the phone they're pulling all that stuff and you're not even getting to benefit from them and so many times that's what shame is like it's just pulling from our spiritual lives and we don't realize that it's pulling in that way we try to cover shame 
in many different ways. We try to cover it with substance abuse. Uh, sometimes uh, many have tried to uh, cover it with alcohol abuse. Some have tried to cover it with eating disorders. Some have tried to cover it with some type of coping mechanism or isolation in some way. So many different ways that we try to cover or we try to deal with our shame in non-healthy ways. Now, Brene Brown, uh, an author that actually is a, a shame researcher, she said, boy, that'll get somebody not to talk to you on a plane when they say, what do you do? And she always says, oh, I'm a shame researcher. She says, they just hush up after that. But anyway, but, but Brene Brown, she talks about there is, a, there, there is a difference between guilt and shame because, you see, guilt sometimes can be handled in a healthy way so that we don't do something again or that we find the conviction we need about it or whatever. But she said there's a difference between guilt and shame. And she talked about the fact that guilt says, I did something bad. Shame says, I am bad. Guilt says, I messed up. Shame says, I am messed up because of something I did that was messed up. Guilt says that I made a mistake. Shame says that I am a mistake. And if we don't watch out, even the guilt trips that we get on in our lives will become a shame trip in such a way that it is so unhealthy and we decide to cope. But in this story, I love this story because Jesus gets down and dirty in dealing with our shame. He gets down in the dirt to help us deal with our shame. And so I want to talk about that. In this story, the Gospel of John, uh, in, in chapter 8, verses 2 through 4, it says there, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, in other words, in the middle, in the center, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, there's a lot of things that can go around for somebody being caught in sin and being, you know, but, but there's all kinds of things that come to mind. First of all, I'm wondering, like, where is the man? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they brought the woman, but where is the man? And it was a different day in those days, but, you know, last I looked, takes two to tango, amen? But anyway, but it's like, where's the man? But they bring the woman, and she's there, and it could not have been a more shameful sort of situation. She's thrown right there in the midst of them. She's probably in tattered clothes, if, clothed, if hardly clothed at all. And here she is, and people are standing around her with stones, ready to stone her with a shame and make it a shameful death. And also, she's being used as an object for the scribes and the Pharisees to do this test against Jesus. So all kinds of shameful things that are happening in this woman's life at that time. But Jesus teaches us a way to deal with our shame. And I want us to look at that in this story. In what ways does Jesus help us deal with shame? Number one is this. Jesus encourages us to be a shame Sharer. Now, what I mean by that is that we have to come to grips and become open with God first about our shame. We have to become open about the shame that's in our life, and especially with God. 
Uh, look at verses 5 through 6. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. I think Jesus was not focusing on what they were saying. I think he was focused on the one who was laying there in shame. And in the very same way, he's focused on us. He's focused on us in the midst of our guilt, in the midst of our shame, in the midst of whatever it may be, whatever sin it was, whatever mess up it was, wherever it was. And the way that we can truly find healing from our shame, one of the best, uh, one of the best weapons of shame is vulnerability. Glennon Melton, she talks about shame and she talks about how shame is what we do oftentimes. And she talked about hers was the eating disorder that she had. And it came from early days of shame and in junior high trying to measure up and just being, uh, trying to, you know, to be popular and, and just, or trying just to get by. And, and she said it was like, you know, we feel like we're, we're told we have to be super people. We have to be Superman or Superwoman. And so she said, so I put on capes. She said, I put on capes of substance abuse. I put on capes of eating disorder. I put on capes of all kinds of different things. And what Jesus really needs us to do is stop putting on the capes of, to be some superhero. And we just need to simply show up as Clark Kent sometimes. Amen? And we have to be open. We have to, the greatest weapon against shame is vulnerability. We don't like being vulnerable, right? We don't like saying we've messed up or done something wrong. Listen, the other day, I was going to pray with some folks um, uh, and for a, a little event. And, and on my way there, I was going to take a bunch of donuts. And so I, I called a certain donut establishment here in town. And, and I... Um, you know, I, I, I did the online pickup order, curbside pickup. Well, I get there, the lobby's closed, and there is no curbside pickup. So I had to get in line. I waited in line for like 20 minutes. I was going to be late for the thing I was going to pray at. And, and finally, I got out of line, and I went around to the drive-thru, because that was the only way you could talk to anybody. And I walked around there, and the person let me say hey to the person that was in the thing. And I said, is there any way you can just, I've already paid for them. Is there any way you can just hand them out the door or something? And they said, no, you got to go back and get in line. I said, Really? Now, I didn't use any ugly words, but I said, that is the craziest thing that I've ever seen. And this is the worst customer service that I've ever heard of. And I left and went to pray. Now, the thing is, <laughs> I know, I was like, yeah, they needed to pray for me after that, not me going to pray. But anyway, so I came back later, got the donuts, and I delivered them later. But I came back to get the donuts, and I'd already decided... So I went and got in line, waited another 20 minutes, and, and, and got in line. And when I got around there to drive through, it was the same lady. And I'd already decided I was going to apologize for how I'd acted. Well, whenever I turned, whenever I pulled up there, she, said, she recognized me, of course, and said, Sir, she said, that really hurt my feelings, what you said while ago. I was like, oh, my gracious. She said, in fact, it almost made me cry. I was like, oh, you're digging deep now and all that. And, uh, and I said, well, ma'am, I am really sorry. I, I really am. And, and, and folks, I, I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm just admitting, sometimes we show up. We show up as Clark Kent, and it's not a pretty thing. 
But I also had to go back and I had to apologize. Even if I won't get in the donuts, I needed to go back and apologize. Because you see, vulnerability is our biggest weapon against shame. It's our greatest weapon. Because the enemy, as long as he can make us stuff it in and make us just push it down, you know what happens to chronic inflammation when it's not dealt with and the source is not dealt with? It will eventually become toxic in your body and can cause death. And folks, we don't need spiritual inflammation happening like that in that way. See, I think it becomes, I think it means being open with God about whatever the shame's from so that we can, but I think it also means being open with somebody else. I, I love this in James chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Now, we use this a lot. We use the earlier verses talking about anoint with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick and all of that. But then it, it does it end there. I love what it continues to say. Verses 15 and 16 says it like this. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. But confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You hear that? Yeah, we can be con we we confess it to God, and we we are we are forgiven. But there's certain things in our lives we need to tell somebody else about. We don't need to try to carry that thing by ourselves, and we need to tell somebody else of that about it. Whether it's a friend, whether it's a counselor, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a prayer partner, accountability partner, whether it's a parent or a grandparent, we all deal with shame. And if it's left in there to fester, then it is not going to end well. And we have to talk to others. We have to become shame sharers. Number two is this. Jesus has no time for shame throwers. Come on now. Y'all heard of the flamethrower, that gun that has that, it, uh, has the gasoline or whatever it goes to and it can throw a flame across there and you've seen it in the uh, war movies and stuff. But folks, I've seen a lot more damage done by some shame throwing. Amen? And we are not supposed to be about shame throwing. Look, there were folks standing there with their stones. And look at what he says there in verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw at her, throw a stone at her first. In other words, you who are without sin, throw the first stone. And so a lot of people wonder what Jesus was actually writing in the dirt because evidently it was something that caused them to drop their, drop their stones and, and move on. One scholar, I, I remember uh, Reverend Dr. Diane Parrish preaching on this one night years ago at an evangelism conference, and I, I remember her saying that some scholars believe that Jesus was writing the verses in Deuteronomy that actually say that if somebody is caught in the act like that, that you take them outside of the gates and that's where you stone them and here they were with her inside the temple and so every one of them that thought they were doing God's work holding a stone every one of them were standing there in sin and so he says okay any of y'all I think he shows them in the sand that's what some believe so any of you all that are standing there thinking that you've got it all together but you know you're in sin drop the, drop the stones and one by one it says under conviction 
one by one, dropped their stone and left. Folks, too many times, if we don't watch out, we are shame throwers. And we don't need to be shame throwers. We, we need to make sure, and listen, this doesn't mean that we just say everything's okay. This doesn't mean that we say to our kids, oh, yeah, that's all right, that's all right. But it does mean that we make sure that they know that they are not their mistakes. Amen? We make sure that our spouses, we make sure that our friends, we make sure that our parents or grandparents know that they are not what they've done that was bad. They, that's not them. And so we do not need to be shame throwers. And last is this. Not only do we need to be shame sharers and not shame throwers, but Jesus invites us in our shame to a new life without shame. I love that song, The Father's House. It says, shame is not welcome here. Doesn't mean we're not welcome here. Everybody's welcome here. But look, it's saying that Jesus wants to do something with the shame that's in our life. The shame that we've been carrying for way so long, way too long. Look at, look at verse 11b and 12 says this. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, a lot of times we stop it there. Because we're like, okay, this is grace and truth. This is when grace meant, met truthy. And this is really good because uh, Jesus' ministry is full of this grace and truth. So he says, neither do I condemn you, but don't do that anymore. And, and I've preached it and I've stopped it right there. But it wasn't until this time that I was studying that I caught this last verse, this verse 12. Listen to what it says. Then... Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's saying, you know what? You don't have to go and sin anymore because, listen, if you're living for me, there is a whole new life that you can be a part of. And that's what he's saying to all of us here is that, yes, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more, but go and live a life in the light. And you don't have to live in the darkness and the brokenness of shame any longer. You can leave it at the door because God is a God of grace and and love, and he loves you, and he loves me this morning. Amen. Thank you. See, here's the thing. I bet every one of us can think of a time that we took what we considered the walk of shame. At some point. I won't ever forget. One I think I told about before was uh, in Little League Baseball. I got on first base. It was the last inning. We were hoping to win the game. I would have been probably the tying run or the winning run or something, but we had two outs. Base hit was hit. I was on second, or I made it the second. I thought I could make it the third. My base coach said no, but I thought I could make it the third. So I tried. Guess what? The ball is faster than a person. <laughs> and I got tagged out, out number three, end of the game. The base coach told me I was crazy. Not that I'm still bitter about that, but. 
But that walk back to the dugout was a walk of shame. Every one of us has walked that walk of shame at some point in our life. But the good news is, Jesus took the walk of shame so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus took that walk of shame to a place called Golgotha where his hands and his feet were pierced and the scars remind us of what he's done for us. He took the walk of shame where he was spit upon and ridiculed and beaten and sworn at and, and all of that. He took it so we would never have to take a walk of shame again. And I just want to tell you something. If you have been on that guilt trip for so long, I'm inviting you right now. You dive off the guilt trip and off the guilt ship into God's ocean of grace and no longer walk in that shame again. Amen? Amen. And so this morning, it's time to take a walk of grace. It's time to take a walk of grace and no more shame. No more shame. Let us pray. Almighty God, in this place, Lord, I pray right now, if there's any of us, we remember what, whatever our walks of shame were. Maybe it wasn't just a childhood mess up. Any of us, Lord, that maybe we've been a shame thrower, we know that that needs to end. Maybe, God, we just have been trying to live in our own power and not walk in your light. And we just keep on wallowing around in the darkness. God, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray for you to help us be a shame sharer. Help us share it with you, God, for the sources. And then, Lord, maybe we need to share it with someone else. Lord, I pray that today will be the first step in that taking place so that full healing can come forth. Maybe, Lord, we've been shame-throwing and we know that it's time to stop it. Doesn't mean we don't say what's right or wrong, but, Lord, it is time to stop the shame-throwing, stop the stone-throwing that Jesus clearly had no time for. Maybe we're here and we just need to step in your new light. Lord, whatever it is this morning, God, Lord, we pray that you will help us during this final song, that you will help us take the steps that we need to deal with the shame and to dive in your ocean of grace. Lord, I pray for guilt trips to be canceled this morning and for swim lessons in your ocean of grace to start up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.